again, listen, if you don't have seed from God's word, Mark 4, the sower sowed the seed and the seed was the word of God. If you don't have seed, if you're not planting God's seed, you ain't going to get a God life crop. Right? Hey, look, we're the, we're, the, we're the tough group, right? Right? Come on now. Saturday late night, nothing offends us. Serious. Come on now. We got, we got some tough skin, and we're, we want to grow. Right? We want to grow. We're, we're the group. I love this service because we're the group that when we look at sections of empty chairs, we're seeing lost people. <laughs> okay? And we're, we're believing God to fill them up with people who ain't never served Jesus before. Right? Okay, and that's what we're going after. So here, but here's the deal. If, if, if we don't take God's word and get it in the fertile soil of our heart, we can't produce God crop. You, you, you're not going to get God life well, because you hang out with some nice folks. You're not getting God life because, you know, you got a T-shirt and a bumper sticker. You get God life because that seed produces fruit. And you, you, you put it in the soil of your heart. You guard it. You protect it. You water it. You do whatever it takes, you know, uh, in the Psalms, uh, in the Amplified, in Psalms 119, longest chapter in, in the book, right? Read through there in the Amplified and underline all the places where it says hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying it. Hearing, receiving, that's what you got to do with God's Word. You, you not only, not listen, hear, right? It's not just listening to somebody talking, it's hearing it, grasping it, understanding it. Mark 4.24 says the level of thought and study you give to the truth you hear determines the level of virtue and knowledge comes back to you. Why? Because you're getting thought and study, you're meditating, meditating the Word of God. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate day and night, good time, bad time, right? See, it's, it's, it's easy to have a good attitude when you're at Disney World, Right? Well, most, most of the time, some of you, some of you look like you struggle there. The line's too long, what? You know, you know, it's easy when everything's going good, but it's when the hard times come, and they're coming, right? But the, that seed, man, if you don't got that seed, you've got to hear it, receive it, love it. Man, I'll tell you what, the stuff I love, you, you can do anything you want to me. You can say anything you want. You can call me names. You can throw stuff my way. Try doing something towards Shelby. And see what I don't do to the lips I rip off your face. Why? Well, because I love, I love that woman. And I'll protect that woman. I mean, some people are just stupid. You know, I mean, it's dumb, you know, they're dumb. They come out and say, you know, you can't disagree with the pastor's wife and go to church here. Because you're sermon fodder. <laughs> I'll come get you right from the platform. Well, why? Because I'm going to protect her. Right? You love the word. You protect it. You guard it. It's the treasure. Thy word... Have I hidden my heart? Not hidden it so I can't find it. Protected it. I've taken your seed. I've put it in the treasure chest. Right? And, and, and I guard it. I don't take, I don't take my, my life savings and put it out in the front lawn with the lid open. Say, if you need something, just swing by. Get, no. You know, you, you guard it. And that's what we're doing with the Word of God. And if you're not obeying it and living the Word, it's not going to produce crop for you. And, and what kills me is when Christian people, good, supposedly hearted people, you know, well-meaning, they're just ignorant. And, and you're asking them, well, what's, what's the Bible? What part of the book are you building your life on? They don't know. Well, you, you're just going to be disappointed. You're just going to be, you're going to get blown out of the water because you don't have the Word of God. 
And it's too easy to get it. Sit down at the computer and, you, you know, I don't know how to find one. You go to BibleGateway.com, you type in any word or phrase, it pops up every place it's used in the Bible. In about as many translations as you can find. You do not have an excuse to not have scripture that applies to your situation. One of the things that's so cool about the Bible is that all the problems, all the solutions to all the problems are right here. You know, you, you having, ha, having problems with the kids? Read about David. He had some problems, right? You ha, having, having problems, you know, well, people are coming against me. Read about Jehoshaphat. Hello? You, you, got, you got issues? We got, we got solutions. Get in the Word of God. Amen? Hold your Bible up high. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. Say, I choose to do what it says I can do. Say, I've got an open mind. I have a teachable spirit from this moment forward. Say, I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big hand. Thank Him tonight. Amen. Amen. I've learned from experience last service that I need to get in here and get rolling. Okay? Because I've got some stuff for you. But, uh, and, and it's great, and some of it, you know, j- just, well, let me, let me just prep it this way. Look at your neighbor and say, toughen up, buttercup. Okay. Okay, here we go. John 5, 1 through 9. I want to read it in the message. This is where we were on Easter, and we're picking up right there, and we're moving on. Soon another feast came around, and Jesus was back in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, where there was a pool in Hebrew called Bethesda, five alcoves, hundreds of sick people. Blind, crippled, and paralyzed were in these places. Look at it. Hundreds of sick people. Hundreds of sick people. I just want to submit this thought that we are surrounded at, at, at the pool with hundreds of sick people. Some blind, no vision, you know, struggling in their vision. Some crippled, right? They're, they're, they're missing a limb. They, they don't have a hand. They can't reach for what they ought to possess. They, they, they're missing a leg. They can't walk. Where they ought to walk, some paralyzed. In other words, they got to, somebody's got to carry them no matter where they go. And they were in those places. One man had been uh, an invalid there for 38 years. An invalid, invalid. That, in, invalid. His life didn't count for 38 years. Invalid means it does not make a difference. And tonight, I'm just, I'm just telling you, we're the tough ones, right? We're the ones that got a passion. And we want to grow. There's no way that we're going to live 38 years without our life making a difference. Okay, we're not going to do it. We're not going to be the guy that, and, and I know it's easy, you know, to sit here and think of people who aren't here and think how badly they need this message. We're talking to to us, right? We're taking this. We we're hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying the word of God. When I'm hearing, I'm taking this and putting it in my life, right? And I'm not going to be the guy that's been an invalid for 38 years waiting. For something to happen. And, and the sick man uh, was there 38 years. And when Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool and he knew how long he had been there, he said, do you want to get well? Where, how's your desire? Where's your passion? Would you like to be made whole? And the sick man said, sir, when the water stirred, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. By the time I get there, somebody else is already in. The guy answers Jesus with an excuse. Luckily, Jesus has more passion than this guy. He's got some conviction, and he says, get up, take your bedroll, start walking. Get up, change your perspective. Let's get a different view on life. Let's get out from under that thing. Get up, take up your bedroll. That's the thing that you've been resting on. That's your excuse. Pick that up and don't leave it here because we don't want it. 
and start walking. Start doing what you've been called to do. You've been called to walk in the light. So get up, start walking. And the man was healed on the spot. I love that. The man was healed on the spot, picked up his bedroll, and walked off. What a great picture. And, and you know, we, we look at it like way back yesteryear. No, we're talking about right here, right now. We are surrounded by hundreds of sick folk, blind, crippled, paralyzed. And the question for us is, do you want to get well? It's not people that we've read about, heard about, or know about. It's us. We've got our own excuses, we've got our own issues, and God's wanting to deal with us. In kingdom life, one of the things Todd was saying tonight, uh, you know, what was it? Don't give up, don't cave in, don't go backwards, you know. uh, In kingdom life, you can never let down, let up, or draw back. Never. Right? You can, if you do, you wind up in trouble, and that's true for every one of us. You get a, you know, deliverance, you get victory, you get freedom. By the way, freedom is never granted voluntarily by the oppressor, but it must be demanded by the oppressed. And you gotta stand up and say, okay, I'm taking my freedom, I'm taking my victory, and, and, and I'm gonna demonstrate Satan's defeat every day of my life. And when you, when you get on the course that you're living a lifestyle to humiliate hell, you gotta realize you're gonna have some opposition. You're not going to get a day off. Now, I just want to relax a little bit. Well, then you better go to heaven. Because on, on this side and this life, this is not a recreation room. This is a battlefield. And, and you know, it's, a, it's an older analogy, but it's worth repeating. Most of us have heard it. But they, they compare church life to uh, either a cruise ship or a battleship. And you have to ask yourself, which one are you on? You want to be a member of a, of a cruise ship? Where, he, you know, that's where the staff and all the, the, the leadership run around and bring you drinks. And we got a cruise director and they got, you know, tambourines and pom-poms and yay, you're here. <laughs> or, you're, or you're enlisted by God into a movement with a mission and you're, and, and you're on a battleship and, and you've got a role to play. And you've you got your position and your role and, and, and there's weaponry on board and you're learning how to be a soldier in the kingdom of God. You, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't fun in game time. I think sometimes we, we you know, well, I, I want God to prosper me. I'm not sure you do. Because he'll have a purpose. Right? His plan is to prosper you. And that sounds all cool because we're thinking, I'm getting a new car. Well, it's way bigger than that. And if you don't have the mindset to do warfare and to get at it and to get real and to say, okay, as for me and my house, we're serving God, you're, you're going to get your hiney handed to you, and it's not going to be very pleasant. And then you're going to go through life like so many other bitter believers, and you're blaming all of your stuff on God now and on church and on Christians who have hurt you, that's your stinking bed that Jesus is trying to get you out of so that you can walk the walk. That's the thing that you've been resting on that's been keeping you paralyzed. The problem with a paralyzation is that it keeps you from doing the thing that you were called and created and anointed by God to do. One of the things, the, one of the greatest enemies of progress is it opens the door to temptation like crazy, and it's a very simple thing. It's called nothing. If you're not doing 
anything, you're doing nothing, then it opens the door for temptation to come in and do all kinds of stuff that are wrong. If you're not busy, then, then you're going to be distracted. If you're not focused, if you don't have purpose. Listen, to live, to try to live holy without purpose and all you get is legalism. If you don't understand the purpose of the kingdom, then holiness is just hoops that you jump through. And then when you get good at it, you set the stinking hoops on fire. And you're like a trained poodle that, that, that does, is just looking for a cookie somewhere and maybe somebody to pat you on the head. And God didn't call you to, you know, to be you know, the grand champion of the dog show. He's, he's got a bigger plan than that for you. And if you understand the purpose, holiness is easy. Come on. If you understand the purpose, holy, living right, of course I'm going to live right. Why? Because if I didn't, I'd miss the mark that God's called for me. Uh, and, and, you know, it sit out in front of me. You know, my, Isaiah 32, 18, my people are going to live in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place. Well, if that's your purpose and you're passionate about peace, then you'll, be, you'll do whatever it takes to stop fighting. Testing, one, two, testing. So you, you, you got to realize we got to do something. Anytime you do nothing, you end up in trouble. Remember, there's stories in the Bible where people illustrate it perfectly. Second Samuel 11 in the message, when the time of year came around again, the anniversary of the Ammonite aggression, David dispatched Joab and his fighting men of Israel in full force to destroy the Ammonites for good. And they laid siege to Rabbah, but David stayed in Jerusalem. One late afternoon, David got up from taking his nap. What had he been doing? Nothing. Where was he supposed to be? At war. But he stayed home. He stayed in Jerusalem and to do nothing. And one late afternoon when he got up from his nap and was strolling on the roof of the palace, from his vantage point on the roof he saw a woman bathing, and that woman was stunningly beautiful. Right guy, right time, wrong place. Why? He was doing nothing. That's chapter 11. Look at chapter... Testing. Just checking. Chapter 6. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. And they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which is on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. Look at verse 13 and 14. So it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. And then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen, linen ephod. Verse 17, so they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Remember the history of this ark. The ark of the Lord was at the tabernacle of Moses. Eli the priest, because of sin and idolatry and corruption, he didn't only lose the battle, he lost the stinking ark. They came and took away the ark. The ark represented it's where the presence of God was at and the, and the glory of God. And they lost it. And the Philistines took it and they set it up next to their idol, Dagon, the fish god. And, and think about it. Here they are. And God's all by himself in the city of Ashdod. God is completely alone, sitting next to Dagon. And all by himself, God is still a majority. 
kept knocking over their idol. Broke off its hands, broke off its head. God was destroying idolatry and he was there all by himself. And idolatry still ticks him off. And he was still going to deal with it. David finally comes into his power. He's anointed. He's powerful. He's got a great ministry. got great music. got a great heart. Nothing missing except the glory of God. So he makes the decision at that point to do whatever it takes. We're going to get the glory. We're going to go out and we're going to bring back the ark and retain and regain the glory. So how did David move from such deep passion to such deep yogurt? It's easy. It's called sin. He opened the door to sin. First John 1, 8. Look at this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Look at verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Look at that verse. In verse 10, it says, if we say we have not sinned, sinned, that's past tense. So if we say we've never sinned, then we make him a liar. And none of us have a problem with that. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. We got this one. We understand it. The religious people, the church people, everybody's in agreement with this. But look at verse 8 again. If we say we have no sin... That's present tense. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Present tense. Well, I don't have a problem. I'm not in unforgiveness. It's not my issue. Now you have your excuse. You got your bed you're laying on. You're still blind, still paralyzed, still a cripple. Your life is invalid. And it's somebody else's fault. Well, no, it's because you've deceived yourself and the truth is not in you. Check it out. A deception, a deception that we tend to overlook is our own current condition. It's easy to see it in others. It's difficult to admit it in ourselves. The question is, do you want to get well? And the minute that we're asked that, the excuses and the deceptions, here they come. And they're right there in front of us. And we're thinking, well, it's not me. It's not my problem. I don't have this issue. But you know full well it's you. It's your problem. You've got your current condition. Even when you're walking in the light, sin is crouching at the door. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. 1 John 1, 5, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. David walked in total darkness for an entire year. But yet he's a good guy. But he, he knew what was going on wasn't right. He was not an idiot. He was just deceiving himself, living in darkness, looking good, preaching good, singing good, doing good. All the while living in darkness. Second Samuel eleven twenty six and 27. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. When her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. The thing that David had done displeased the Lord. I'm pretty certain that most of us, if we were completely transparent tonight, would have to admit that there's probably some things in our life that aren't actually pleasing to God. Well, if that's the truth, then we're missing the mark. 
If we're missing the mark, we ought not deceive ourselves and make up a bunch of excuses. Well, why are you walking in unforgiveness? Because they don't deserve forgiveness. Well, you're still missing the mark. Hello. So, God has a remedy for David's situation. 2 Samuel 12. The Lord sent Nathan to David. The Lord sent Nathan to David. The Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said, and by the way, David doesn't even know he's going to talk about him now. There were two men in one city, one rich, the other was poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, and the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had brought up and nourished. It grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food, drank of his own cup, laid in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man, who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it. For the man who had come. And David's anger was greatly aroused against that man and said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. The righteous judgment coming out of David's new man was real. He just didn't realize he was prophesying about himself. And he, he said in verse 6, He shall restore full fold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, You are the man. I'm here tonight to tell you, you are the man. Thank you for that rousing response. How about, you know, we got Taco Tuesday. Is that this week? Tuesday. Tuesday? Taco Tuesday. So let's talk to the men for just a minute. Right? Let's get you ready for tacos. You are the man. Whether you're the leader of just a home, a business, a ministry, you're the leader. Everybody wants authority, but very few people realize it comes with responsibility. All through the Bible, authority is connected to responsibility. You want the title, you'd like the paycheck, you, you live for the position. Well, how about accepting the responsibility? If my family fails, you think I'm going to blame Shelby? If the church falls apart, what should I I'll blame the nursery department. It was kids' connection. Those nasty kids. Well, if your business failed, what are you going to do? Blame the economy? We all, we're, well, I'm going to find an excuse. If you don't walk in victory, who are you going to blame? You're the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now quickened your mortal body. You have all things by His divine power to, that, that are necessary to live a God life. You've got it all together. What are you going to blame? You've got this authority. You have this, uh, you know, you've you got this position. How about the responsibility? We all live as if we're not responsible for the outcome. Well, I, I can live any way I want. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You don't get to live like a lost person. You know, you go to work and scream cuss words out across the yard. Take off the garden T-shirt. Or we'll take, we might, we might actually buy a bus just to come run you down. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous how many people don't want the responsibility. But I don't believe that God wants me to prosper. God's plan is to prosper you. If you're not prospering, you're out of his plan. I'm not talking about a couple of hard days. because That's a season. I'm talking about a lifestyle. 
You know, it just doesn't do any good. You know, like I said, it's easy in, in Disney World. Goody. Well, when the tough time comes, that's when you've got to have the Word of God active and rooted in the fertile soil of your heart. You don't pass out because the devil shows up. You're prepared. You're ready. You realize, okay, with this role that God's called me to, I have a responsibility to demonstrate Satan's defeat. First John 1 John 1.7 If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light. It, walking in the light. It, you've been called to walk in light. Turn the light on. David knew this. Look at Psalms 32, verse 3. When I kept silent before I confessed, my bones wasted away through my groaning all the day long. Day and night your hand of displeasure was heavy upon me. My moisture was turned into the drought of summer. David had kept silent about his sin. He knew it was sin. You haven't been real open about your stuff, but you know it ain't right. And a sense of broken communion with God was there every single day. And there are areas in our life that we've been living with for so long who we've tried to get comfortable living that way, but we still know it ain't right. Well, it's not going to change it. And by the way, you know, we love you and we want you to have destiny with us. But even if you get, well, I'm not going to this church anymore. Well, it's still going to be sin. Well, I'm going to vote for, I don't care who you elect, it's still going to be wrong. We're all, you know, everybody's freaking out because of same-sex marriage laws. It doesn't make it, it ain't changing anything. You know, it's not changing God's Word. Right? So, you know, well, shouldn't we care? Well, of course we should, but the issue isn't whether they legalize it or not, because it doesn't make it right. If we walk in the light, He is in the light. We'll have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all of our sin. David knew the difference from walking in the light and walking in darkness. Look at Psalms 32, 5. I acknowledge my sin to you, my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. I can tell the difference between walking in light and walking in darkness. Matter of fact, walking in light, listen to this. That phrase, walking in light, it means to walk with no part dark, with a transparency in the presence of God. To cover up nothing, but to admit everything, no excuses rendered. That's what it means to walk in the light, to, to have a mindset and a heart set that says no excuses rendered. I will cover up nothing. I will admit everything. Why? Because Psalms 32, 1. Listen, David wrote this. He said, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. I'm telling you, David thanked God every day for the rest of his life that God had sent Nathan to him. He thanked God for it. Why? Because the minute he confessed it, that thing was broken off of his life. It had no more power, no more control. Look. First Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time kings go out to battle, that Joab led out the armed forces and ravaged the country of the people of Ammon and came to besieged Rabbah, but David stayed at Jerusalem. And Joab defeated Rabbah and overthrew it. And it goes on. That's, and David stayed at Jer- That's the only mention. That's all it says. 
From the point David confessed to God through history, there's not one more remark concerning David's sin. God never referenced it again. You can read that chapter and the chapter after that and the chapter after that. It's been blotted out. No remembrance in the mind of God. Blessed is the man whose sin has been forgiven. He's, he, he wasn't reading it this way. Blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven. He was blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven. Because he knew he had sinned against God and only against God. And when he, when he, when he confessed it, man, the power of that. He had lived for a year in darkness. Now he's walking in light. He's going, blessed. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven. Don't deceive yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Take responsibility and execute the excuses. You got Jesus who's come to you. He, he, he didn't just come to you, man. He, he come walking. You know, it, it said he's stepping over people. He's climbing around. He, he's headed back someplace and he's looking for somebody. And he says, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, I? Would you like to be well? Well, it's kind of embarrassing in a room full of people, Lord. I've got to come back the way I headed out. You got Jesus coming up to you and asking the question. You want to be whole? I'd like to remove this thing that's controlled you and paralyzed you. It's blinded you. It's crippled you. I'd love to set you free. Are you really going to respond with, well, other people get blessings and I don't. And it's just not really fair. How deceived must you be? David said, how blessed is the man whose sin has been forgiven. Confess it. Get it off of you. God won't even hold it against you. Matter of fact, God used David as a measuring stick for future leaders from that point forward. This is way better than your acting. I'm telling you, this afternoon I had revival in my house. Psalms 51, 1 through 3. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is always before me. Every day, the darkness, it was there. There's no joy for the guy who's hiding his sin. Come on. There, there's no prospering for the guy who's living in cover-up. is well, I'm going to fake it till I make it. You ain't going to make it. Well, God's overlooking it. He can't. See, here's the deal. Well, I feel like I'm a Christian. You are. You're just not a great example of one. Right? You just, you're, not tapping in, you're not tapping into all that God has for you. And, and, and you're covering up making an excuse about it. And you don't realize that if you would stand up and take ownership, take responsibility, God would love to bless you. For, it, it, oh, my God. Now, it, it, it could change everything. Everything. Look at your neighbor and say, everything. I'm telling you, maybe you haven't committed adultery. Maybe you're not a murderer, but you know what your thing is. And, and the thing is, is every day in the darkness, it's there, and there's no real life. 
for the guy who's living in cover-up. You know, it's, it's just manipulating and controlling and paralyzing and crippling you and robbing you of your vision. And, and, the, and the devil's sitting back going, just stay calm. This message will be over. You can still make it to Dairy Queen. It's going to be okay. Don't change. This isn't for you. This is for the people who aren't even here. Well, I'm a Christian. I asked Jesus to forgive me way back there. Right, and he did. And that, that forgiveness is, is like, it's crazy cool. You're awesome. So where you're spending eternity, eternal life starts there, doesn't it? See, right, right here, you get born again. And then, let's say that the rest of the platform, this is the journey of life on earth. Right? And then to infinity and beyond. Right? That way. Okay? So... Eternal life, God life, starts at salvation. So where you're spending eternal, eternal life started here. How you're spending this life. Not where, how. Victory or defeated? Bleeding or whole? You know, how, how you do it is determined by how you walk it. You walk in light, you demonstrate in Satan's defeat. You walk in darkness, you just a bad excuse. Huh? Come on. Too, too many of us, well, I just thank God for this moment. So that when I get over here to this moment, I can go to infinity and beyond. During this, by the way, it's just crap, as my brother said earlier. It's just crap, crap, crap. Well, God should bless me. God's word said he'll bless me. I hear it, receive it, love it, and obey it. Dude, there's, there's something right here. I got like five minutes, okay? I got five minutes. Trust me, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Look at you, never touch him. He's going to make it. Okay. I want God to bless my life that I'm living contrary to his word. You're on crack. God wants to bless you. But if you, if you won't trust him, it's not that he, he won't, it's he can't. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond and beyond, infinitely beyond. Over and above anything you could actually think, according to the power that's at work within me. If you don't give thought and study to the truth you hear, there ain't no power. If you're not lining up with the word, there ain't no power. There's just a t-shirt and a bumper sticker. It, it ain't producing. So someday you're going to launch off and you're going to even be disappointed in the infinity part and beyond. Because when we get to heaven, somebody's got to do the laundry and that's going to be your job. How you're spending eternity, how, is determined by how you align with this word. Right? Not where. Okay, you're born again. Thank you, Jesus. But if, that's, if that was all that was needed, don't you think it would only be right and merciful and just if all you needed was to be born again so you could launch off into eternal bliss? 
don't you think that you go, dear Heavenly Father, I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus, you are saved, and you, and there's just a pile of ash. If, if God was really cool, he'd let us baptize you first. And during that process, you'd go to be with Jesus. That way I'd get to kill you. I shouldn't think about that too much or I won't make it. Uh, Psalms 51.10, create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit with it. Create. There's a difference between create and make. Make means to form from that which is already created. Create means to form from that which does not exist. David said, it don't even exist, the material needed for a clean heart in me. So you're going to have to create it, God. You're going to have to go to work and create in me a clean heart. I need a new heart. By the supernatural power of a living God, help me, Jesus. And God answered him. And then you want to know what's awesome? Is David, he was not only made new, not only restored, he was made whole. He was not a repeat offender. You know, you, you cannot consistently perform a test that's inconsistent with your character. And God changed that man's character in a moment. And he was never the same again. Look at Psalms 51, verse 16 and 17. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I'd give it. You don't delight in burnt offerings. Remember what he did when they bring the ark back? Sacrifices and burnt offerings. But that's not what you're asking for, God. Look at verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Most average believers have had the glory of God ripped from their grip by pride. Arrogance, unbrokenness, unwilling to surrender. A broken man would have never stolen his great friend's wife. A broken man wouldn't have had the husband of his mistress murdered. A broken man wouldn't willingly sin against God every day for such a long period of time. What happened? David's heart was filled with pride. Pride had David step out of his responsibility, and then the enemy even tried to get him to enjoy it. Which responsibility have you stepped out of? How's your season of sin going? You liking it? it we, we, we are crazy because we think that we're going to get a God crop without living God's seed. We applaud the most stupid, ridiculous stuff. You hit a home run, you're my hero. You make a touchdown, we're singing perfect pitch, we'll put you on TV. What about a guy, though, and a woman that stay together and become examples of a lasting marriage? Why don't we celebrate that? How about maintaining a great attitude under intense pressure? That's the guy that should be applauded. It's not, it's not a gift, it's character that we need to get focused on gift by definition the word gift means something that's given to someone who's done nothing to deserve it and as we get all blown out of the water by gifts how about celebrating character quit making excuses for your crappy character never going to forget it living holy living holy living stupid you know try to look holy Trying to, trying to project holiness, trying to project, you know, this is what it looks like to follow God. But living like an idiot because we're not lined up with the Word of God. The question you've got to ask yourself is, how are you with God? Not how are you doing in the eyes of man. Because in our current society, they agree with everything. It's all acceptable. Everything's good. Just do it. Go for it. Don't ask, how does this look to man? How does it look to God? Hello? How, how does it look to God? Step into the light. No more excuses. Run 
for the light. And ask God, how about you create a clean heart in me? You know, one of the best things to do to get rid of the pride in your life, because most of us are sitting here, and I'm telling you, that, that we have it. And that one of the best things you can do is get some people in your world, in your life, who have the ability, who have permission to deflate you. You start getting to, you know, they just take the air out. Why? Because they love you. They're not just messing with you, but, you know, just every once in a while you need a, you know, so that you can go, and then you're back to cool. Right? Uh, you know, I've got guys in my life that, that can help me because every once in a while they'll just deflate me. They know me. Who's in your world? Because you've got some stuff you need to be dealing with. Hello? Okay, close your book, bow your head. We're going to pray. While heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. I want to make a call tonight. I want to ask you, how are you with God? Not man, with God. Is it time for you to be made whole? Would you like to be well? I just want to ask that question. Would you like to be well? And I'm going to ask you to do what Jesus asked the man at the pool to do. If it's you and you're here and say, you know what? Bless God, there's stuff in my life and it, it needs to be dealt with. And it needs to be dealt with now. And I'm ready and I'm willing. And I know it might be painful. It might be uncomfortable. It might be embarrassing. But I'm ready. And I'm going to do that. But I'm going to ask you what Jesus asked him to do. Get up. Just stand up on your feet. Just stand with me real quick. And we're going to pray. This, yep, there's stuff in me that needs to be dealt with, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stand. I'm going to acknowledge God. Because, you know, immediately that man, you know, he, he got up, he packed up his bed, and he walked off. He's healed on the spot because he responded. So it's, it's you, and you're, you're standing, and I'm going to get up on my feet. Please, nobody looking around. Just, this is just between us and God. No eyeball flash. Don't even take a peek. In just a very short moment, I'm going to have everybody stand, and then we're going to get out of here. But again, don't you be peeking, don't you be looking. Because the people I want to pray for are the ones who are still seated. Father, we all come to you. And every single one of us are in a place in our life where we're dealing with issues and we're dealing with thoughts and belief systems and behaviors. And there are things that creep in that keep us from making progress in this spiritual journey. And Lord, I I pray that you'd put a passion in each and every one of our hearts that would cause us at any moment that we would have an opportunity to be changed by the power of God, that we would never miss it. We never let it go. Every single person in this room. Matter of fact, everybody just stand and join us. Everybody in this room. Father, we, we, we are your kids. And we know we're loved. We know that you're loved. That there's nothing we're going to do that's going to make you love us more. There's nothing we can do to make you love us less. But yet, some of the things we have done have not been pleasing to our God. Some of the choices we make, some of the lifestyle behavior that we uh, uh, allow ourselves to conduct, some, some of the some, some of the process of thought, it, it's not pleasing to you. And Father, today we, we don't want to apologize because apologies don't move your heart; repentance does. 
So today, Lord, we, we repent for making excuses, for trying to cover up our insane need for you. We need you. And before we can see a city changed, God, we've got to see ourselves changed by your power. So we surrender ourselves as a body to you. There's none of us that are any better than the other. We're all in the same condition. And that condition is, Lord, in need. We're surrounded hundreds of sick folk. God, when that water stirs, we're praying that 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 the stirring would take place in our heart. So, Father, I just thank you tonight that you're doing a work in us, and we're never going to be the same. We're never going to be the same. 